0: Hey, everyone, I'm Ryan Calaman. And I'm Amy Gosha. Welcome to The Divorce at Altitude, a podcast on Colorado family law.
1: Divorce is not easy. It really sucks. Trust me, I know. Besides being an experienced divorce attorney, I'm also a divorce client.
0: Whether you are someone considering divorce or a fellow family law attorney, listen in for weekly tips and insight into topics related to divorce, co-parenting, and separation in Colorado. Welcome back to another episode of Divorce Altitude. I am Ryan Calamea, and I am joined this week by Amy. What's new, Amy?
1: Uh, not much. Just, you know, another interesting topic that we're going to talk about to hopefully resolve people's problem.
0: Right. Well, what are we talking about today?
1: Arbitration. So we're going to talk about that, what it is, what you can do with it, you know, the pros and the cons. So I'll let you kind of tee that up.
0: Yeah. So first I'll talk about what divorce arbitration is and how it works in Colorado. We've had previous episodes, one with uh, Judge Arkin. Amy, you had one on private judging. We also have another episode with Mike Damana on mead arb or mediation arbitration. And we get into some of the things with arbitration. But I think it's helpful for people to understand what divorce arbitration is and what it is not. And then we can talk about the pros and the cons. So arbitration, simply put, is to have a neutral third party who is someone other than a judge, in essence, act as a judge. In arbitration, we call them the arbiter, and it's binding. And Amy, you will get into the a little bit about the divorce, or not the divorce, but the arbitration act. You can arbitrate contract disputes. You can have, there might be an arbitration award or arbitration provision in your credit card agreement or bank, and you can actually arbitrate divorce. And that is different than a private judge. A private judge is similar. The motivations to have arbitration, which we'll talk about, are similar for a private judge. You have some privacy. It can be dealt with a sophisticated party, but it is different. You could have Someone that is another divorce lawyer, you could have a financial expert, and you can carve off certain issues, so oftentimes we will have arbitration on the sale of a house after a divorce. You can have you know a disagreement two months down the road about whether you should drop the price of the house and the husband Eric he thinks the price should be dropped, and then Melanie says no, and you can arbitrate that so Oftentimes, divorce attorneys that we work with, Amy, will have a provision that specific issues, um, taxes could come up. And instead of waiting down the road for a judge to deal with it, you can have an arbitrator deal with that. So there's different outfits. Former judges will act as uh, arbitrators. But as I said before, you can have financial experts. You could have a real estate broker designated as an arbiter. So then kind of to move down, you could arbitrate an entire divorce. There's going to be some differences in what the law or other issues procedurally will be for parenting versus financial. You could have, for example, a different arbiter on financial issues. You could have kind of a CPA or, or some sort of financial expert or divorce lawyer. And then you could have you know somebody else that really focuses on parenting issues. I mean, within our own practice, Amy, you tend to focus more on the parenting issues and I tend to focus more on the financial issues. So, you know, that is something that, you know, from an arbitration perspective, you could really kind of have someone that specializes in that. But why don't you, Amy, talk a little bit about the parenting aspects of arbitration, the relevant law, and what happens If you get an adverse ruling in arbitration on parenting issues.
1: Yeah. So I, you know, I think we'll, let's talk about that and how you can use that. I think one thing I wanted to say just in relation to, you know, arbitration and people going through divorce or post decree issues, you know, arbitration mainly is going to come up like you're talking about. Like within mediation, if you mediate a memorandum of understanding, a lot of times there will be a provision in that MOU that says, you know, if you disagree on certain terms, that the mediator then can serve as the arbitrator in the limited capacity just to be the decision maker on like language. You know, and it's essentially, you know, as an attorney, I look at arbitration as kind of a problem solving tool. You know, like if I... I Need something that's limited or up to like a whole divorce, and we'll talk about that, or parenting issues. You can use arbitration to really, you know, expedite and resolve problems. I think the other place that we see it, you know, a lot of times is in the context of like real estate, like you were talking, Ryan, you know, like the last thing that the court wants to deal with is, you know, reserving jurisdiction on dealing with, you know, a house sale dispute. So it's very helpful to have someone come in and, You can make a decision on that quick, you know, when you have offers going back and forth, you know, like you need an answer quick. So it's really helpful where you can really expand that tool of arbitration within the family law context, you know, is directly related to pairing. We have within Title 14, we have an appointment of an arbitrator statute, which talks about that in family law disputes, you can appoint an arbiter to resolve um, disputes between parties concerning their minor children. And it's very specific about you can have an arbitrator decide parenting, non reoccurring adjustments in child support. So some limited financial issues and parenting decisions. You know, as a person who is looking at whether or not arbitration is a good fit, you have to agree to it. So a court cannot agree or cannot order parties to do arbitration. Both parties have to agree to it in writing and to the scope of what the arbitrator can do. You know, one consideration that Ryan, you and I have when looking at whether or not arbitration is the right fit for a specific case to resolve like a parenting issue is going to be, you know, one consideration that we have to advise our clients is what if our client doesn't like the outcome from what the arbitrator does on pairing? You know, and so as listeners, it's important to understand that there is a limited capacity essentially to review an arbiter's order. You can ask the arbiter to vacate, modify, or correct that order or award, but it's under a whole different, you know, section of our statute, which is like the Arbitration Act, so the Colorado Arbitration Act. You know, and under that, those circumstances, for instance, just to ask for an arbiter to vacate an award, you know, you have to show, for instance, corruption, fraud, you know, like it's very limited basis, you know, so it's just something that you have to consider when looking at those things.
0: Yeah. And and to clarify for listeners, you can appeal or go to the district courts. You can go to the judge and ask the judge Hey, the arbiter got this wrong, and what you were saying is under the Arbitration Act is that there are if the arbiter was you know in cahoots with Eric Wolf, you know had been paid off. Those are the circumstances when you're dealing with vacating an arbit or modifying an arbitration award under 1410 128.5 for parenting that Eric could go to, for example, the district court and say. This arbitration award is just so off in terms of parenting and the judge may order a de novo hearing. And it's the cautionary tale for Eric is that if the judge largely sides with the arbitration, the arbiter in whatever award it is, then Eric's is gonna be on the hook for Melanie's attorney's fees. So essentially, if you may get a second bite at the apple on parenting, but if it's the same kind of award, then you know that you can't just ask over and over again. And I think it's helpful for people to kind of take a step back. Arbitration is a little bit more like, an, and we'll get into the pros of arbitration, but it's like a trial or a hearing. You basically have been unable to reach an agreement, Eric and Melanie Wolf, and they go to an arbitration. It can be, and often is, informal, so it can be over Zoom. It could be in a conference room, but most arbiters, Mike Damana, would have, we talk about this, but Eric would raises his hand. He would testify under oath and he would tell Mike, the arbiter, his story. There'd be cross-examination. Oftentimes I've seen, and this is, I think probably a good point of mentioning parenting coordinator and decision-makers, oftentimes, and we'll have different episodes on this specifically, but oftentimes PCDMs is what we call the parenting coordinator decision maker. will give them expanded powers under the arbitration award. So if there needs to be a switch, for example, of weekend parenting time, well, then, you know, it might be a little bit unclear whether the PCDM has that ability, but as an arbiter, they absolutely do. And then you get into the kind of appellate reviews that I was speaking of earlier, but it could even go so far. I've seen PCDMs, you know, order a child to switch schools or to change the parenting schedule. Some issues that could be dealt with by the judge or that may fall outside of that PCDM, you know, that role. So you would authorize them to have some power as an arbitrator. But I've seen PCDMs, they won't allow necessarily cross-examination They'll allow, you know, they'll say, what questions does Eric want to ask Melanie? And then Eric will ask the arbiter, these are the things that I want to discuss or I think that are relevant. And it can be as kind of formal or as informal. It depends on the arbiter. It also depends on the arbitration agreement. And, you know, you can have relaxed rules of evidence, but, you know, and we're getting into the pros, Amy, of arbitration. So the reason the people often like arbitration is it's really fast. You know, I had a case once where the parties disagreed on the sale of real estate. We were able to that dispute arose on Monday. We were able to schedule a meet uh, an arbitration via Zoom on Wednesday. There is no conceivable way that you're dealing with a district court judge that has you know hundred thousand other other issues on whether or not the listing price should be dropped by a hundred thousand dollars. They just don't want to deal with it. Similarly, with parenting issues you know, you can get a resolution. Do I get to spend spring break in Mexico, you know, if, and there's a travel advisory, a PCDM or an arbiter, they can make that decision. I once had, you know, two people that went to an arbiter and they were deciding on what school the children should get. And they were doing that in the middle of July. They had just kind of somewhat procrastinated. The dispute had just been kind of lingering and they were able to get, you know, a very thoughtful, you know, opinion, um, award and it goes into that sophistication of the decision maker. Amy, what you know we see is that you know you pay for it, which is a con that we'll talk about. But the analysis is that really you're going to get someone that understands the value of a business, that understands children's disputes, especially if a PCDM, if they've been involved with the family over time, they understand the ebbs and flows of that particular family dynamic, and they can make that issue or that ruling on whether or not Charlie should go to Mexico for spring break, for example. This episode is brought to you by our law firm, Calamea Gosha. Amy and I describe our law firm as an innovative and ambitious trial team that pushes the boundaries to discover new frontiers in family law, personal injuries, in criminal defense in Colorado. We currently have offices in Aspen, Glenwood Springs, Edwards, Denver, and Boulder. If you want to find out more, visit our website, Law. Now to the show. Any other kind of pros, Amy, that you know I haven't mentioned thus far?
1: Yeah, I think some other pros, just thinking at, you know, where I've used it and it's very effective is in like a school choice issue, you know, having an arbiter actually, you know, talk to the child if they're old enough to figure out what the child's wishes are, you know, so you can kind of expedite and get the information that you need to the arbiter to be able to, you know, make a decision that needs to be made, you know, for a family to move forward. So I think, you know, I've used it just recently and in the past. You know, even for the arbiter to both counsel have to agree and parents get to actually talk to the child, you know, because I think as attorneys, a lot of times we just think we have to automatically get a CFI or get a PRE, but sometimes you can actually, if it's a limited issue, you can say, well, let's have the child, if they're old enough, talk directly to the judge. Yeah. and, And I think
0: the a couple other pros of arbitration, it can be less costly because Instead of dealing with formal discovery, the arbiters could say, you know, really streamline the process. The attorneys could agree, or the parties could agree, hey, we're going to, you know, go to arbitration and we're going to relax the rules of evidence, more civil procedure. And it can result in it being less expensive. You also have flexibility in scheduling. So if, you know, your schedule allows for you to be in a hearing on Monday morning, But then you got to go to work on Monday afternoon and then Tuesday morning. You can really customize it. You could do it on the weekend, arguably. I mean, you'll pay more, but, you know, that really can work around your schedule. The other issue is it's private. You know, you can be in a conference room instead of a public courtroom. Amy, you and I have been in Denver District Court. You know, there's just people sitting there. You know, it's not necessarily a Judge Judy situation where, you know, people are in the audience, but it can be. And in arbitration, it can be, you know, as private as just a Zoom, you know, recording or not necessarily a recording, but just a Zoom meeting and you get a decision, it can all be, you know, much more private. So generally speaking, the pros are that it's a more streamlined process. You're dealing with a more sophisticated decision maker, the arbiter. You've got flexibility in scheduling. It's informal, so it can be less contentious. It's private. For those that are worried about confidentiality and it's potentially, you know, less expensive. That said, there are some cons. So, Amy, what are some of the notable cons on arbitration in a divorce?
1: Yeah. So we talked about heriting issues. If you're having an arbitrator deal with, you know, the disposition of financial issues, essentially there's no appeal process. Like what you're stuck with is asking for the court to modify or vacate the award under two, two, three, you know, and again, you have to prove that, you know, the arbitrator was exceeding their powers, you know, there was some kind of fraud. I mean, it's just such a high threshold. So, you know, when you're thinking about, well, I want this process to be private, I want, you know, but you also have to weigh that against, well, what if they get it wrong and I have to have it fixed?
0: Yeah, I've seen people, you know, come to me after an arbitration award and they are stuck with it and they were unhappy with the decision i have seen you know both people agree there is a time crunch or they just don't want to involve attorneys and they say um, they're aware of the downsides of how long a divorce will take and they just say listen we just want to go to arbitration and you know sometimes you know people make mistakes this is the reason that they have we have the appellate process you know colorado arbiters They don't have to apply Colorado law unless they agree in the arbitration agreement to do so. But, you know, you are paying someone, a divorce attorney or a former judge, and it can be more expensive because you are dealing with, you're paying for the person's time. So, but I, you know, there was one arbitration award that I saw where I just thought the arbiter just misallocated the law or misapplied the law. It was a former judge. And, you know, they just thought that they knew what, you know, they weren't necessarily abreast of the kind of current developments and, but they were stuck with it, but those are some of the cons. But I think in the right circumstances, it can be a very effective tool. I think that the, you know, issues on taxes, you know, spousal support, post-decree modifications where, you know, a former judge or a divorce attorney who understands income and the current economy you're going to get a resolution much quicker instead of you know for example filing a motion to modify child support and then having that motion sit out there for a year which you know can happen parenting you know the relocation issues authorizing someone to make a decision i think it more like what i was talking about with the school decisions but having that pcdm that is entitled to switch, you know, various activities or switch weekends, you know, really empowering someone, but you got to trust them. And, you know, I've seen, I currently have a case where the, you know, the Melanie Wolf in that, you know, post-degree divorce, she doesn't like the decision maker and arbiter. And so she's said, I'm not going to continue with their services. And we put a, a time limitation, which I think is a good idea. I mean, you have to do it with PCDMs. But, you know, to really spell out what it is that they're arbitrating, is it just X, Y, and Z? If so, then be very specific because if it's just like, just deal with our problems, you could be stuck with that arbitrator for a very long time. And if it's someone with, you know, JAMS or JAG, you know, very reputable, you know, organizations that have former judges, it's going to be expensive. So I think really spelling out what it is that you're doing and how you're doing it. And most, I think, arbiters, they'll address those issues up front. But I think that those are a number of issues that hopefully people can understand arbitration in a divorce. Anything else that listeners should keep in mind?
1: Yeah, I think that with any tool that, you know, gives you flexibility, you have to define the parameters. So I think it's just very important, you know, for this to be an effective tool for resolving problems judiciously, you know, streamlining them, there has to be detail on what those parameters are, or it can cause further litigation. So I think that's something, you know, I've learned over the years and um, it's a great tool, but you have to make sure that, you know, there are detail.
0: Yeah. To explain that a little bit more, I 100% agree with that, Amy. And that, I think it often, the best example is, you know, you go to mediation you agree to an MOU that's just on the high level, the 10 deal points that occurred at mediation. Well, you know, it's six o'clock at night, you get this deal done. There's going to be some things that slip through the cracks or, you know, people disagree with or that they didn't really think of. And in the MOU, it's fairly common to say that the mediator then acts as an arbiter. And you have to spell out is that mediator slash, you know, arbiter, are they going to resolve issues on drafting? So that what the MOU says, because they were presumably involved. And so, you know, and then you also get into, are you waiving the communications that went on in mediation? Because generally speaking, you know, those are confidential. You can't take those into consideration. But then you have the other question of, well, if there are things that aren't in the MOU and they aren't related to drafting, you just either overlook them or there is, you know, an assumption, you know, is that subject to arbitration? So I think dealing with those issues, especially in a deal with an MOU, but then, you know, oftentimes afterwards in a separation agreement could be a disagreement on standard boilerplate language, or what did the parties actually mean when they negotiated this? Those are things that I think people, and including attorneys, often overlook. Well, hopefully this has been helpful for people to take into consideration. Divorce arbitration can be great for those, especially if costs are outweighed by the privacy and the flexibility and sophistication issues. But until next time, thanks for joining us on Divorce at Altitude. Hey, everyone. This is Ryan again. Thank you for joining us on Divorce at Altitude. If you found our tips, insight, or discussion helpful, please tell a friend about this podcast. For show notes, additional resources, or links mentioned on today's episode, visit divorceataltitude.com. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen in. Many of our episodes are also posted on YouTube. You can also find Baby and Me at kalamayan.law or 970-315-2365. That's K A L A
1: M A Y A.law.